now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. All right, Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast and brought to you locally by Dr. Lyle M. Back from Cosmetic Surgery Skin Care. Go to ilovelyleback.com or call 856-MAKEOVER for Dr. Lyle M. Back, proud sponsor of Football at Four. Andrew DeCicco is in the house. We got a lot of uh, interesting Eagles all-season draft stuff. I want to definitely talk some draft, too, with Andrew, because obviously Andrew is now getting ready to focus on the draft and what's going on there. I know he has his mock draft up uh, at InsideTheBirds.com, so we'll get into that as well and uh, take a look there. But I guess we'll start the first, the most recent, the newest, the freshest information, Andrew, uh, on this Carson Wentz stuff, and that is the fact that, you know, the Bears look like they are the team uh, in play now, and I guess some reports are suggesting the Bears want to make a trade. They just want to find out now if Carson Wentz wants to go there or not, but uh, what are we thinking about the Bears being the front runner possibly now for Carson Wentz? Yeah, I mean, it, I think that the Chicago is going to be the destination for him, but and the Eagles really need to pull the trigger on whatever team's willing to offer the most. They can't really be concerned with whether or not Carson Wentz wants to go there or not. Obviously, Chicago has their concerns, and they want to make sure. But, I mean, if you're Carson Wentz, the offensive line is it's, it's all right. I mean, it's a little bit better than – there's some question marks there. Uh, I mean, David Montgomery's there. The receiving core isn't as proficient as you'd like. I mean, Alvin, Alvin Robinson's probably going to leave via free agency. You have Anthony Miller and Darnell Mooney there. But, um, I mean, offensively, they have just as many question marks as the Eagles, if not more. So, I, I mean, I, I would think that he would want a fresh start. It's got to be, you know, tiring for him. to. I know he hasn't said anything, but you're constantly hearing your name in the in the media and just not knowing where you're going to be, the, unsettled, the unsettling aspect of it. I think he should just want to move on and, and just go with Chicago if that's, if that's what the team that's offering the most. And, you know, just move forward. Let me ask you this possible, like, okay, so there's a lot of conversation right now, Andrew, about who has the leverage and how uh, Howie Roseman's playing this. If you're Howie Roseman and the two teams in play, one is uh, Chicago and the other is Indianapolis potentially, those two teams don't really have a quarterback right now. So do you have the leverage over them knowing that, hey, you know, you're Ryan Pace. You need to win, man. You want to go into another season with Nick Foles? Have fun. But if you want to up your ante, I got a guy for you. If you are Indianapolis and you have Jacoby Brissett or, or Easton, hey, you want to go into a season with those guys? And if you do, that's great. But if you want to up your ante, I got a guy for you. Does Howie Roseman, is, does he actually have the leverage here? And we're not kind of acknowledging that because, you know, people want Wentz gone. They're sick of this whole conversation. Well, I think Howie may have leverage over the Chicago Bears, not not the the Colts, because let's not forget the Colts made the playoffs last year. Jacoby Brissett has proven that he can be an adequate starter. He had a um, a couple of years ago. Obviously, he took the reins there. I mean, I think I think Chicago. Yes, there's there's they don't have a lot of options there. Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles. They they've been you know they've been given ample opportunities to win the job. Neither one of those guys have really stood out. I, I mean, to an extent, I guess you could say the Chicago Bears have a, um, are kind of at the Eagles' mercy there. But, I mean, they can also 
and, and they could get impatient and move on to a guy like a Derek Carr, perhaps, or 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 just or, or look elsewhere because there's going to be other options. I mean, you can't wait around for Carson Wentz forever, and you certainly don't want a guy who you're trying to acquire that doesn't want to be there, or you're uncertain if he wants to be there. There are so many different stories and reports out there, obviously, but we've seen hypotheticals with the Wentz and Ertz package, but there was also one that threw Andre Dillard's name out there too. Would that surprise you if they moved on from Dillard? If if that's what it took to move on from Wentz to throw Dillard in there? Is that an obvious move to do? How do you look at that when you hear the name Dillard in some of these packages as well? Well, Hunter, it's somewhat obvious because Andre Dillard, looking at the depth chart, I'm not really sure where he fits. I mean, I think that he would be best served competing with Jordan Mailata this summer for the left tackle spot, but um, possibly even being looked at as a guard, and it certainly can't hurt to have the depth. I, I think him being there, even from a depth purpose, we've seen how the line can be ravaged by injuries and really determine the season in, in some regard. So, I, I mean, I, if, if I'm the Eagles, I'm not offering up Andre Dillard if I don't have to, but I mean, if it's going to sweeten the deal, I mean, why not? But I don't know with the amount of picks that they have and the the, the lack of the lack of uh, money that they have to spend on offensive line. I think that they do have some guys there that they can at least use for depth. I mean, I'm not sure that I would want to throw him in, but that would be really surprising if they did. Yeah, I know. Uh, and there was a report. It was Sports Illustrated. Essentially, said Wentz and Ertz because the Colts could have some interest there. Another team that was in play was Seattle because they lost Olson. You know, last year they went down the route of bringing in that veteran guy. Do you think Ertz, because he mentions in the article that he doesn't think Ertz would fetch more than a fourth-round pick? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say third at the most. I, I could, Fourth is more most realistic. So not a big return they, for Ertz. Not, not a big return nah. for Ertz. But what if you package Wentz and Ertz together? Do you think that adds any value to the to the package? Yeah, it does. I mean, Ertz on his own, obviously you're getting an older player on the decline, but his success with Wentz, there's documented history there. That's his go-to guy. You get uh, a familiar piece around Wentz wherever he goes. He's going to be an un unfamiliar situation, but you bring a guy like Zach Ertz who he's had a lot of success with. I, I do think that that's going to provide add stability to their offense wherever he goes and, and make him, you know, it's a security blanket really for him. So um, I, I think that it would, it would, yield the Eagles it would yield the most in return if you're able to package those two guys a couple weeks back we were hearing from national big time reporters saying it's close it's close and it's going to happen soon and then now here we are where it seems like there's no communication really happening and, and there's not that much information out there does that tell you something as if maybe there was something that was really that significantly close and then it fell off or do you think that that's just part of the process of the cat and mouse game yeah, when you're talking about a trade of this magnitude, unfortunately, I think it has to do it's a it's a product of the the cat and mouse game. I do think that they were offered something fairly substantial, in my opinion, and how he wanted to wait out for for you know something greater, and that never really transpired. Teams get or or or, or the team got cold feet, whatever it was, and and then you know then you kind of got to start from scratch and really start to. Uh, once the, the pieces start to fall around and, and teams start to identify they're going to go elsewhere and things like that, you have to, to kind of where you're at and what you're, what you're really going to yield from, from a player coming off a, a, a bad season or it's coming out of um, – there's a little bit more like Matthew Stafford who's 10, 12 quarterbacks every year and plays that was able to yield what he did. 
But, I mean, with a player like Carson Wentz, you've seen the highs and you've seen the lows. And I think a team's going to be a little hesitant to offer up, you know, some some premier draft picks and possibly a player. So I think that Howie Roseman needs to look at it realistically and take what he can get at this point because it's, it's like I said last week, they really need to part ways here and just hmm. turn the page. I was going to say, do you think teams would buy – Roseman saying, look, we don't have to trade him. We'll keep him. And he is under contract. I don't, yeah, he's under contract, but I, I don't I don't buy it given everything that's kind of that's kind of manifested over the past, you know, ever since he got dutched. I mean, all these reports that come out. Uh you haven't heard from Carson. The receivers are going to be working out with Jalen Hurts now. I mean, it just seems like it's too you, you've reached the point of no return. And I don't know how you he would even enter the locker room given everything that's kind of happened. I think teams know that. I think they're well aware of that. There's, the, if your quarterback is and your general manager aren't on speaking terms, I'm sorry, that's dysfunctional, and I can't continue. Uh, I, teams, like I said, teams know all this, and and I think that um, they're they know that it's sooner or later he's going to have to he's going to shake free. It's just a matter of when and and where are they willing to give up. Yeah, a lot of what ifs right now. But let's say if Sam Darnold went for a first round pick, we talk about Indianapolis or Chicago with that 2021st 20, overall pick or so. If Sam Darnold goes for that price tag, does that hurt Wentz? Does that help Wentz or, or does it kind of stay the same? Um, I mean, I guess it would be right around the same. Who would right you rather have? Reason. Who would you rather have? Right now? I mean, I would like to see what what Sam Darnold could do in a, in another situation, to be honest with you. I mean, I've seen Sam Darnold. I've seen him play. His play has been sporadic. Both players, don't get me wrong, they have question marks. You've seen Wentz play at a high level. But you know what you're getting in Sam Darnold. You're, got, you're not getting any baggage, any potential baggage. There's, he, he wants to be coached. He's going to accept the coaching. He's moldable is basically the, the, the selling point with him. He's young and he's moldable. And I think if you get him in a different system, you might be able to play to his strengths and see what he's really all about surround him with weapons, get him with a functional coaching staff, unlike the Adam Gase debacle there with the, Jet, with the Jets. And um, I, I think that there's something there with Darnold. I don't know if he'll ever be what he was billed at a, a few years ago, but, I mean, I, I think that there's a, little, there's a little bit more stability with a player like that who you know is willing to welcome any kind of coaching and just, you know, just keep continue to learn without any pushback. Uh, it's football at four powered by the inside the birds podcast over at inside the birds right now. Uh, Andrew has his Eagles mock draft 1.0 up and at number six, you're going Jamar chase. Now chase has been in some other people. Uh, you know, we talked uh, over different mock drafts, but chase would be, I guess your top wide receiver on the board. Yeah. And to me, it just makes the most sense to go with the player who, is is a little bit more versatile. He can do. He can line up at all the receiver positions. He's physical after the catch. You talk. You heard Nick Sirianni his press conference. He likes to get guys the ball within five to ten yards of the line of scrimmage and let them kind of do some damage. That's really right in uh, Jamar Chase's wheelhouse. And I think when if look if you're gonna if you're gonna turn the page from the Carson Wentz era and and, hand, and turn the reins over to Jalen Hurts, you gotta you gotta do it right and build the foundation and don't make the same mistake that you made with the previous quarterback. Start giving him weapons that he can that he can use to be successful. And you know, if it doesn't work out, then you can point to the quarterback, but don't let it be because of lack of resources. Um, let me ask you a couple things then in that vein. You write in this piece, if Sewell was at six, let's say he was on the board, you would go with the tackle over Chase. 
if if Sewell is there, you're going with the tackle. That's a blue chip player. He shouldn't have, he shouldn't fall that far, and you could stick him there, and he's going to be your franchise tackle for the next twelve years, and have some all pros in his future. And I, I make that pick and don't even question it because it's so hard to find a, a, a franchise left tackle, a blindside protector. He's a freakish athlete. Just uh, you know, just an immense talent, and you know, like I said, the game's won on both on the offensive line, and the defensive line. So if you can fortify that and add some stability there, I think you do that. Okay, I don't think twice. Now there was a recent mock draft out there that had the Eagles trading up to the third pick to go with Justin Fields. Would you be anti that? Yeah, because there's many other pressing needs on the roster, and you really don't know what you have with Jalen Hurts without giving him a full offseason with the new coaching staff. Let him build that, you know, camaraderie with the with the with the group of offensive skill players that he has, and then be able to let him play a full season before you make your, you know, you make any assumptions or or, or determinations on what he is as a player. Um, I think that would be really premature to, you know, turn the page on him and move on. So I, I, I think that given all the other the, – the holes that are permeating the roster, um, I, I think you have to look elsewhere besides quarterback. To grab the left tackle, going back to the possibility of doing that at six, he'd have to slip past Cincinnati. And they obviously want to help out Joe Burrow as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But could you see a scenario where maybe going out and getting that wide receiver to help Joe Burrow a chase, as you mentioned, maybe the Eagles snagging, could you see that being a possibility? Or do you really believe that the left tackle is the obvious for Cincinnati? Yeah, you would think that left tackle would be the obvious for Cincinnati. And I actually wrote this here. I said, if he manages to slip past the Bengals, uh, so that is, then I think that he makes it to six. But I, I have a hard, so there's something there's something that made me think that the Bengals are going to have a hard time passing up a skill player to pair with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and get those young pieces around Joe Burrow. But I mean, I, I, I do think that there there's a small chance that Sewell makes a pass there and the Bengals, you know, kind of make a surprising pick and go uh, the wide receiver there. All right. Uh, football for powered by the Inside the Birds podcast, off-season mode, draft, free agency. Carson Wentz watch continues. Andrew DeCecco, of course, at A DeCecco NFL. You can check him out on Twitter. And, of course, as the offseason continues, we will have more on this draft. His mock draft is up at InsideTheBirds.com. It's an all-Eagles mock draft, so check out who he has in round two through seven and uh, check that out at InsideTheBirds.com. Football at four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast, which now drops Mondays and Thursdays at 6 a.m. in the offseason. And tomorrow, football at four. Jeff Mosher's back. Andrew's here on Thursday. Adam Kaplan on Friday. Andrew, thank you, my friend. You got it, guys. Take care. And he, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda hotline as uh, the offseason continues. And one of the things, you know, now I saw his mock draft as Eagles, and he went with Jamar Chase, and I was a little surprised. I would not go. I would disagree with him there. Now, he knows the draft a heck of a lot deeper than I do. I'm not saying Sewell is not a great player. I just say I have Dillard. I have my Lada. I got so many other holes. I'm not going to try to fix a hole that I might be able to fix in-house if I can go try to fix something else. I tend to agree with you. There's so many other issues that it's sort of like what he wanted to do with Jalen Hurts is like figure out if Jalen Hurts can play and you don't need a quarterback. That's how you kind of feel with the offensive line. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. If I have, if Dillard can play, I don't know if he can or not. They might have an opinion on that already. 
maybe Maialata can play. I think Maialata is going to be your starting left tackle. I really do. If I think that's the case, the I don't need to draft a guy at number six when I got ten other holes. Right? Yeah, the Justin Fields thing, though, I would be. Well, I saw that. I would be okay with that. I want to get into that. Yeah, I want to get more into that coming up on the other side. What do you guys think about that? Would you tr- trade up to draft a quarterback? You're not just drafting a quarterback. You're trading up to get one. Football at 4 brought to you by Dr. Lyle M. Back. From everything from skin care to cosmetic surgery, go to ilovelyleback.com. Yeah, you can watch the show live, as many of you have started to do. We appreciate all the people who have begun to uh, who have begun who have begun to watch the show on our website 973espn.com we're going to get into a little baseball now pitchers and catchers reported today there broats did you know did you know did you know oh i knew oh i knew there he is bob wankel crossing broad covers the phillies and he is going to join us right now talk a little phils their non-roster invitees had an interesting name on it today. They made a signing today of the uh, backup catcher. That's always exciting, but uh, Bob Wankel here is the most exciting, and he joins us now on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. What's going on, Bob? Guys, what's happening? How are we doing today? It's excellent to see you. There he is on the screen for those of you watching on our website. We're doing well. I mean, the fact that pitchers and catchers is here, I guess that means that the season is on schedule. I mean, we feel like uh, they're going to get this thing going on time. Yeah, I mean, it looks like uh, I know there was a little bit of a, a discussion that maybe they wouldn't start uh, on time, but looks like everything's on track. The fact that they're down there, they're they're starting. Um, I think there's really nothing that that's going to disrupt the season from progressing. I mean, we're seeing it in the NHL right now, where where teams, uh, especially the Flyers here right in front of us, are having some issues. But you might have teams have some individual pauses and stops and starts here. But uh, I think the league's going to move forward as planned. So yeah, I mean, I think we're going to get baseball on time. Yeah, so we got a lot of Philly stuff that we want to get into with pitchers and catchers, but let's start with the non-roster invitees. One name, obviously, that sticks out is Odubel Herrera. Has it? We haven't really seen him since the early portion of the 19 season, but he's back. And, I mean, how do you think this is going to go over? Do they really have plans for him? Because we've discussed center field as a, as a spot where they still have some question marks. They're paying him a lot of money. I mean, how do you read into this, Bob? I thought we were going to talk a little Jeff Mathis this afternoon. <laughs> uh, you know, it, you forget about the morality of it. I, I don't really know what or who Odubel Herrera, the baseball player, is uh, right now. That, that really struggled uh, for basically a calendar year before uh, he ran into his legal issues. And so um, he was a guy who was losing playing time, who looked like he was sort of fading from the Phillies picture to begin with. Um, so I don't know what he is at this point. You know, center field is the one position uh, on this team where there is certainly um, some uncertainty and, uh, you know, an opening where there's going to be competition, whether that be uh, Scott Kingery, whether it be Adam Hazley. Um, we'll see how things play out. You know, my my read on this is that the Phillies would not have brought him down there Um and, you know, made themselves susceptible to, to very intense criticism. And I think if you saw Twitter this afternoon, uh, people are very, very upset about the fact that he was included here in this, this mini camp uh, invitee list. My guess is, though, he would have to play so far out of his mind uh, to, to make this roster that it's, it's probably not going to be uh, an issue moving forward. I, I don't think he's going to make the team, but I also think that the Phillies are going to give him a, a legitimate look. I know there's this idea out there that that they um, 
you know, might be trying to showcase him for a potential trade. Like that's not happening. The Phillies aren't going to be able to trade Odubel Herrera. I, I think that if he goes out and plays out of his mind, maybe he makes the team. But but otherwise, um, you know, I, I don't I don't think that that's happening. Real quick on this, Bob. If he's not getting paid what he's getting paid, is he even here? I doubt it. No, I think the contract very much plays a role in this. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was given $30 million guaranteed. And, you know, it's a shame, you know, if you go back three or four years ago and you look at what he was as a player, he was one of the lone bright spots uh, in this roster or on this roster. And really, you know, the Phillies have been so guilty of overpaying for talent uh, throughout the course of the last five, six years that he was the one guy that represented some true value. He gave you production and he was relatively cheap. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the, the contract is a big reason why he's still in the mix. And I also think that the change in front office might lend a, a little bit of a reason why he's there as well. Um, I really think that the the previous front office, Matt Klintak, and the way that things were assembled uh, was totally out on Odubel Herrera. And I think Dave Dombrowski came in and said like, Hey, you know what? Let's let's at least just take a look and see what we have, and that that totally excludes the morality of it. You know, we're just talking about baseball right now. Um, I just don't think that the player is good enough to make this team, frankly. No, I agree with you, but I, I wanted to get into like you have Dave Dombrowski here, and this is obviously a controversial situation right now. And maybe I'm wrong by looking at it this way, but look, I'm fully aware of what he allegedly did, and everyone knows that that is so wrong. But I just wonder. If he was very, very, very open with following protocol and learning and changing and, and understanding what he did and changing as a person with having that front office change, is that a reason why maybe he's there? Like that mix of him saying, I am fully aware of the mistakes I made. I will go to counseling. I will do this. If that happens with Dave Dombrowski now being hired, should it then be more accepted? You know... It's a situation where it's really easy to to jump on social media and condemn somebody and, and make yourself look righteous. So like I can send out a tweet that says like he should never play again. And then that makes me look like a really good person. Right. Um, but, you know, it's a situation where is is there genuine remorse? Is he doing the things to to make himself a better person? Did he learn his lesson? You know, and, and there's no way for you or me or anyone to really truly know that. And and I don't know. I mean, I think all I can really say is however you feel about him and, and his his ability moving forward to, to try to get his career back on track, you're entitled to feel that way. I get that there are people that say this has to be zero tolerance. He should be gone forever. They'll never root for him. They're disgusted with the Phillies for bringing him back. And I, I totally understand that. But if you're on the other side of the fence that says, you know, listen, he, if he's doing everything like you suggest, per perhaps maybe he really is rehabbing himself, then he deserves a second chance. If you feel that way, then, then you're entitled to feel that way as well. I, I, it's not for me to tell people how they should feel, but I mean, when you look around the world of sports, by and large, when someone has talent, they are afforded second opportunities, whether or not that's right or wrong. And that's why I come back to his performance will likely dictate whether or not he's on this roster come opening day. He's really going to have to make it worth their while. And I know that that's a little bit uncomfortable to say that, and that shouldn't be necessarily the only factor in play, but I think it's a big part of it. 
Bob, obviously, um, this team has a lot of questions going in here that they've tried in the last, you know, you know, they feverishly have added some under the radar veteran guys here late, Matt Moore and Nova. And, you know, they've just tried to add some competition maybe. So these guys that they've kind of added who were like these veteran guys who were just trying to make the team or whatever, do you see them factoring in, um, you know, if Moore and uh, who's the guy I'm forgetting from Anderson, uh, Anderson, Anderson, if they both get spots in the rotation, does that mean you're going to see a guy like Howard and Velasquez go to the bullpen? I mean, they've tried it to add, they've added um, some more bullpen arms in the last week or so here. So how do you kind of read what's going to happen here as the pitchers and catchers are set to report? You know, James, Paxton goes out to uh, Seattle and re-signs with the Mariners. He goes back to the Mariners after being in New York. And I know a lot of people targeted a guy with a little bit more uh, of a resume, with a little bit more of an upside. But I don't hate what the Phillies have done here from a strategic standpoint. You're talking about going from a 60-game season to 162 games again. And going to need, and, and I know that this is almost stating the obvious, but you need pitching depth. And I think that this season and, and extending these guys out again uh, the way that they were prior to 2020, I think depth's more important than ever before. So for the Phillies to bring in three or four guys to compete for those final rotation spots, I think you're going to need six or seven guys anyway. The the interesting case for me is is Spencer Howard because I think that Matt Moore and I think that Chase Anderson are going to be in the starting rotation. I don't think you give $3 million, $4 million to these guys if they don't heavily factor into your plans. So where does that leave Spencer Howard? And I, I – kind of think that the Phillies are going to revert back to their plan from a year ago and be really careful with him. I would be truly surprised if Spencer Howard, and I know that this is going to shock to some people, I'd be a little bit surprised if, if Spencer Howard breaks camp in the Phillies rotation. I think that he's a guy that they're going to build up and, and try to to kind of take some time with before they put him back in the rotation. I think that the Phillies had some concerns with what they saw from him and his readiness last year, um, both at the major league level and just from a physical standpoint. So I think that that gives the team a little bit of pause and I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. He's in the rotation as for Vince Velasquez, which I feel like we can't do a spot without talking about this guy. And I know how you both feel about Vince Velasquez and I'm right with no, um, I actually think that there's a, a possibility that that he could be traded. Uh, I really do. I think where the Phillies are at in terms of their financials, uh, the signings that they've made, it, I just don't see where Vince Velasquez fits into their plans. I don't believe that he's a true reliever, um, and I think that he's sort of moved – I think the Phillies have moved beyond Vince Velasquez. I know they brought him back, but, again, that was also pre-Dave Dombrowski. I, I just – I think that the team – is going to look uh, to, to go a different direction from Vince Velasquez. I mean, maybe he sticks around as a long man, but I think that Moore and Anderson go into spring training ahead of him. All right, so they brought Kinsler in last week, Bradley, Coonrod. Um, you know, they've got a couple of guys now. I mean, Naris, I guess, um, is going to be in the mix. Uh, is, is this bullpen going to have enough competition to make it uh, a major league as their bullpen last year was, wasn't a good minor league bullpen. No, it wasn't. Um, yeah, I, I think that the bullpen is, is league average competent. I, I, by no means do I think it's going to be the strength of this team, but I think that they've, 
they've done a good job in, in trying to do some low buys. Um, and I know that they've tried this in the past and it hasn't worked. But again, the, the difference here is that the, the person doing the buying is, is different. And uh, I, I trust this person a little bit more in Dave Dombrowski. Um, I, again, I don't think it's a lights out bullpen. I think anytime that Hector Naris figures prominently into your seventh or eighth inning plans, that's a, a reason for pause, you know, but I, do I think it's going to at least be a functional major league bullpen and better than it was a year ago? Yes, I do. Um, and, and I like some of, of, of what they've done. I mean, I think that they've placed a priority on guys that can throw uh, with a little bit of velocity that can, that can miss bats, uh, which is something they've just been abysmal with in, in recent seasons. So I like what they're doing from a philosophical standpoint, but this is a bullpen that if they play well and they give this front office a reason to add at the deadline, this is going to be an area that they certainly will have to target product for, for sure. How dare you question that Hector Neris splitter that can't find the strike zone? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what is what is the situation? Oh, with real quick on Neris, <laughs> do you find him to be better as the closer or better in other? Because it seems like, I don't know, like he – does he focus more if he's the closer and he's just not a, a great one? I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, listen, he's going to put together two or three weeks where you go, he's unbelievable. Yeah. And then he's going to put together that four or five game stretch where you're like, he has, to, you have to get this guy out of here. And that's just what he is, you know, and that's what he's been and uh, probably what he will continue to be. So, like I said, if you can push him down and, and, you know, make him a, like your sixth, seventh inning guy, maybe, but Right now, I think he's their setup, man, as they as they go into this, and that's that's not very good. What about the situation with Ranger Suarez? Last year, he had the COVID problem forever, and we, I mean, it was a long period of time, and we, we thought of him maybe as a starter one time, and then he tried some bullpen stuff. I mean, how do you see Ranger Suarez? I, I think that one of the the good things about where the Phillies are at right now is they're sort of in improve it mode, right? And like, so he's an intriguing he's an intriguing option, but. He's got to go out there and do it, you know, and, and again, there's just so much uncertainty with him that he's not somebody right now that I would project being on the opening day roster. Now, if he goes out and, and puts together six really good weeks down there in Florida and, and things can change. I mean, certainly you like the fact that he throws from the left side. It's something that this team has lacked both in the bullpen and the starting rotation for years now. Um, but you know, he's, he's definitely in a prove it situation. And I don't really think that there's much else that you can say about that. I, it, the, my issue with him is again, just a guy that, that isn't electric. Like I want high upside, high ceiling guys. And, and he, to me is just a, he's just a guy, you know, that's, that's sort of my read on him. Uh, by the way, um, I would have, you mentioned Neris, you think Kinsler is the closer. You think Bradley's the closer. I think, Brad, I think Bradley's the closer, you know, I mean, I, in an ideal world, he's probably your setup man, but I, I think that the Phillies are are going to rely on the experience there. Um, and I know that Hector Naris has more experience closing than Bradley does, but I think that the Phillies are, are moving away from Hector Naris as your closer at this point. Um, so I, I would figure that, that Bradley will be the, the closer. And again, keep in mind, and with Kinsler, a guy who's pitched really well, especially over the last two years, but he's there on a minor league deal. So there's no, I would expect him to make the team. I think that he'll figure prominently into their plans, but he's not a lock. And I, I don't know how you can you can say a guy that's on a minor league deal right now is is penciled in as your closer. So again, things can happen. Things can happen very quickly. But the way I see it is that Bradley's probably your closer. Uh, you know, come beginning of April. Hey, when you have a historically bad bullpen, this is the place to come to try yeah. to get a great opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, Bob Wankel is the Phillies writer over at CrossingBroad.com. 
And, uh, of course, Phillies pitchers and catchers, they report today. They'll uh, get out there tomorrow. The uh, spring training portion of the schedule is about to uh, begin in a couple of weeks here. So some normalcy in the sports calendar. This will be like, well, I guess football played everything normal, but, like, everything started in March. So baseball will be back on track, and uh, we'll have a full season, hopefully, and we'll see. And, uh, of course, Bob, kind enough to join us here on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Did you have something? You look like you want to say something. Me? No, that's it. I, I always appreciate appreciate coming on with you guys. I'm I'm ready to talk a little baseball. Yeah, we are we are ready to go. And I read today that I was like, they're actually reporting today. They're down there today. They'll they'll be out working out tomorrow. This is this is crazy. Like yeah, I, think they, I think they're gonna actually give us something here this year. I'm not I'm not predicting any uh division winners or anything like that, but I think this is gonna be a pretty intriguing team. All right. Well, it look, that bullpen was so bad last year that if you just upgrade that you should be competitive. Same pitching staff, same lineup. Even if they were just bad. I mean, they were historically bad. If yeah. they were just bad last year, we're talking playoffs. Yeah, just normal bad. Yeah, just bad. Just normal bad. That's right. All right, Bob, we'll catch up soon, pal. All right, guys, we'll talk to you soon. All right, he, like August, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Great job and great stuff with Bob. We'll be talking to him throughout the Philly season here. And don't forget, get more Phillies notes right now on our website. From 97.3 ESPN.com's Frank Close, who has uh, the whole list of non-roster invitees and more Phillies notes as they are set to get out there tomorrow. Yeah. How about Jake Arrieta, by the way, going back to Chicago? He had a couple workouts getting people watching. I hope they use him as a closer. They're not going to use him as a closer. I know, but somebody should. That's the way he should be used at this stage of his career. What was he said? What was the one quote he had about throwing a ball at someone's skull? That was the highlight of his career here in Philly. He was really good for a while, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, when he was in Chicago, he was dynamite. I think that scared the Phillies away from spending money on pitchers like that. He was never really good here. No. Not, <laughs> not he had all. some good starts, but, I mean, just collectively. Yeah. Uh, so, we'll keep our eye on the Phillies as they are underway. But I want to get back into this. Uh, all right. So, NFL.com ranked all 59 starters. By the way. Spoiler alert, Ben DiNucci was 59th. He was the worst. Of all the quarterbacks in the league last year who started a game, Ben DiNucci was ranked last. Impressive. So who was ranked higher, Hertz or Wentz? And who was the highest ranked in the division last year? Think about that. We'll come back with that list on the other side. Turn it on. Leave it on. The Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. All right, Mike and Broads back with you on a Tuesday. Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. So I finished Your Honor last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was the last uh, episode was on Sunday night. Were I you okay that. with the ending? or? You know what? It was kind, It was good, but it makes you, like, wonder. Is it's, there another season coming no, out? No, apparently oh, this is it. Okay, that's it then. Huh. It kind of like left you like, huh, did they mean, like, did the kid mean to do that? I don't want to give it away. So you can interpret it in so many different ways. Like, after, it was like Sopranos, like, wait a second, what happened? Did you and your girlfriend think of different endings, or did you guys think of the same one? Um, Well, no, because, man, I don't want to, like, give it away. Yeah, but fair. So th th there's a kid, and there's something going on, and the kid kind of comes in, and he does something. And the what he does, you don't know if he meant to do it to that person or the different person or who would have brought that guy in. or it, Yeah, so many questions. Oh, least, man, it was really wondered. left you up in the air as to like, wait a second. 
Well, maybe they do good, plan to do it. It was good, something. though. Yeah. I would say it's 10 episodes. Go watch it. Right through it. How long yeah. are the episodes? One hour? An hour. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Really good. Brian Cranston, you know, from Breaking Bad, he was the producer. So it's got a kind of Breaking Bad feel to it, where, like, he's the judge. You know, like in Breaking Bad, you know, he was uh, doing the, the – he was, like, a teacher, and then he got into doing all the meth stuff, and he – to, like, basically, like, save his family and his life, he started to do all these things to, like – because he, he just like went into like survival mode. Yeah. Similar here to where he's a judge, but like to save like what's going on, he does all these things to try to like protect his son. Right. Which forces him to do things that are against the law. Exactly. Like, huh. That is interesting. Yeah. But well, check it out. It was good. Yeah. See, I wasn't watching Calgary. No. And Winnipeg. We- <laughs> you missed a doozy last night. You had, uh, the Montreal, or no, it was the Toronto Maple Leafs up 5-1 to one entering the third period. The Ottawa Senators came back and rallied. How about that? That doesn't happen often. No. Then you had Calgary, uh, Johnny Gaudreau, South Jersey's own, score an overtime winner. Yeah, why don't you tell everybody uh, about your new project with Johnny Hockey? Yeah, so uh, Kevin Durso, our uh, Flyers insider, does a fantastic job. And I, we're doing an NHL podcast called Open Ice Hits and weekly Johnny Gaudreau will check in and kind of give an update on the Flames and his current stretch uh, once a week. So we're pretty excited about it. That's every week? Every uh, We're dropping two Mondays and Thursdays. So what day dropping. is Gaudreau going to be on? He was on uh, – we're probably going to do Mondays. It's just because if they play Sunday nights, maybe it gets a little wonky. But for the most part, we're going to try and snag him for that Monday drop every and, week. So uh, Durso and you. Yep. And Gaudreau is going to be a weekly guest. Correct. So you guys are just going to th- – Throw down hockey. Yeah, just talk some puck. Like the, what we did on episode one was just discuss the Northern Division. We went through every team: Vancouver, Jeez. Ottawa, Winnipeg, we Toronto, Montreal. Is Montreal legit? That's a great question. Montreal's in that division. We we dove deep into it. Of course they are. Man, that's a far trip to go from Montreal to Vancouver. Yeah, yeah Calgary, Edmonton. Woo! They do that's- it all the time though. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's. Pretty- oh, no, that's just. No, it's not normal. It's just because of the new. The- I know, no, I'm saying. Oh, okay. Like, this okay. year that they got to make that trip pretty frequently. Yeah. Yeah. They The the Canada division is pretty crazy because they got to get accepted when they go from place to place. It's pretty wild because they're, they're like shut down ish, way more than we are. They're like more in shutdown mode. So there's a lot of traveling issues that they got to figure out over there when it comes to these teams traveling. No, they haven't any COVID problems up there. I think there was the one teams? one player on Edmonton as of late. That's the only thing. Everything else is happening here in the U.S. So you Shocker. can check out this uh, new podcast. Yes, it's called Open, Open Ice, Ice Hits. Hits. Yeah, with uh, Rhodes and Durso. And where can they find this? Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's all the visuals on the YouTube channel. Sports Talk with Broads. And, uh, yeah, but for the most part, if you're looking for the audio, it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Now, do you get Goudreau on camera? So, we're working on some things. I mean, he's got to have the money to be able to get on camera. Well, the problem is sometimes they're on the road, this and that, and also. got a phone? He does have a phone. We're working on some things. The first call was an audio call, though. But still, still great to hear from him and and check out uh, what's happening with Calgary. So, from my understanding, the debut episode with uh, Goudreau dropped, and that night or the next game? So it dropped Monday, and then what was last night? Yeah, last night. Last night he scored. So it was the same day of so the drop. So would you record it Sunday night? Yep, and we dropped it Monday morning. And Monday morning, and then Monday night he goes out and scores the game winner. Overtime winner. Wow. Yeah, not ironic, my friends. It's pretty. You succeed when you speak to bros. That's pretty, I think that's the moral that's of the story stunning. here. No, it's Durso. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny. My one buddy said, uh, 
uh, the legend of uh, something like the legend of Philly sports, dot, 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 Kevin Durso. And I was like, that's great. That, you're right. You're, I wouldn't be where I am today with this pod if it wasn't for Durso. Durso's the man. I love the fact, though, that he is expanding. Like, you know, he still does our flyer stuff, and you'll hear all his flyer stuff, but he knows the league really well. And he's going to get a chance to kind of show that on this platform to kind of get a chance to expand out from flyers talk to NHL talk. Yeah, absolutely. Thing. Yeah, it's the best. I, I love hearing him talk about what's going on around the league, and he gives a good insight. It's good yin and yang because he's very, like, you know, professional with covering the team, talking about the game. And here I am, like, screaming about the fourth line in the Montreal game. What Not- type of tape they got on their stick. Exactly. But it's a good balance, a good yin and yang. So I'm super stoked for it. All right, here's a, here's a question. All right, so 59 different starting quarterbacks during the 2020 regular season. Who was ranked higher, Wentz or Hertz? Well, he was. Wentz was so bad last year. There I, was fifty nine. Yeah. Right. All right. I will tell you this. One of them came in at number twenty three. Whoa. The other one came in at number thirty five. Wow, twenty three is uh. A little surprising that either of them would fall that high. And, and obviously, with how bad Wentz played, I would have to imagine that that would be Hertz at the 23. But that still, is that correct? Hertz was 23. Wentz was 35. Now, 23, if you think about it, any every starter that started a game. So, with how many teams are in the league, I don't know. Does that, does that sit right to you that Hertz was at that level, 23? Keep in mind, he only played like five games. Correct. So, now, conversely, Dak Prescott also only played five games. He came in at number 16. Now, if he played what his numbers were over a full season, he might have been number one. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, his five games got him 16, whereas Hertz's five games got him 23. Not so bad. Wentz at 35. The guys, so... You take Dak out of the mix. He only played five games. Hertz was the highest-ranked quarterback in the entire division. So it made me think this. If essentially you have the best quarterback in the division, shouldn't you have the highest hopes? (laughs) That's pretty funny how that worked out, huh? Literally, I'm like, wait a second. Because I wrote the article, and I'm like, going inside the division. I said, Hertz is the highest guy on the list. Next up was Daniel Jones. He was 24. If you have the – if they rank all the quarterbacks and said, you have the best, your quarterback is better than everyone else in the divisions, I would say, well, then I probably have the best team. Yeah, that just uh, – I think that defines what year we're living in. <laughs> yeah, the fact that we're here we are. And, of course, you said take out Dak. But if, even if Dak was still in play, the fact that Hurts is the second guy involved here – you would still feel good about your team. And here we are thinking that this is just a uh, an abysmal stretch that so we're about to go on. These were the quarterbacks in the division. It was Hertz 23, Jones 24, Dalton 25, Alex Smith 27, Wentz 35, Henneke 37, <laughs> Allen 39, Colt McCoy 48, Dwayne Haskins was 50, Garrett Gilbert was 51, and Ben Danucci came in last. He was the 59th guy that uh, was on the list. Who was right above Wentz? One oh, above, okay. one above one. and one below. Uh, right above him was Gardner Minshew, 34. Oh, Drew Locke was 33. 
Newton was 32, Trubisky was 31, Garoppolo was 30, and Bridgewater was 29. So my question was, if I was trying to trade, they had Trubisky ranked ahead of Wentz. Why would I try to replace Trubisky with a guy who essentially was worse? Well, because, you know, track the yeah. next one behind him. Yeah, who was it? like this. Who is it? Sam Darnold. Oh, geez. 36 wow. was Sam Darnold. Wow. Now, what was uh, you guys? Uh, Josh was, by the way, Josh did a great job sitting in for me the other day. You guys were talking about, you know, this very topic, yeah. which was who has more value? Now, I asked Checo. He said he'd rather have Darnold, I think. Yeah, same with Josh. So Josh pretty much, he put a list together of quarterbacks that he would want instead of Wentz. And I kind of went back with him and said, oh, I, I agree with you. I disagree with you on some of these quarterbacks. And we disagreed with Sam Darnold. I personally, I think Wentz's value because of the ceiling and that you've seen the ceiling actually come out. Yeah, I think Wentz has more value than Sam Darnold. I wasn't that high on Darnold coming out of college, so I don't love him in this question. Like, I, I would rather, if you said well, he, you could have one of the guys at no charge. But he thought contract-wise because. He said at no charge. Yeah, at the money side of contractually, things. Actually, contractually, Wentz's contract isn't bad. It's the dead money and the cap hit that's the bad part. What you're actually paying him is fair. And what Sam Darnold performed. Right. And what would Sam Darnold's contract be once you have to re-up him after this one season? You might be having to pay Sam Darnold a lot of money. By the way, Nick Foles came in at number 40 on that list. Just for those people. You know. There's a lot of those people. That's right. Sports Bash live.